proud to present this presidential debate. One moment. Is this on? I am paying for this microphone. How can we get things done? One look. And I believe I can. All right. One laugh. I never attacked him on his look, and believe me, there's plenty of subject matter right there. One exchange. It's just not there true. Is. He knows exactly what he's There it is, what the he's... memorized 25-second speech. Well, that's the, that's there the it reason is, everybody. why this campaign... One platform. Not too late for the people in this state to find out what we know about the issues. One mistake. Three agencies of government, when I get there, that are gone. Commerce, education, and the, uh, uh, what's the third one there? Let's see. And now one night, but this is no ordinary night. Every four years, America gathers around to hear a vision for our future. And what happens here tonight may determine that very fact. This uniquely American tradition is the envy of the world. It has the capacity to change world events, improve lives, inspire generations. Welcome to the great debate over the future of the greatest country the world has ever known. So no, this is no ordinary night, America. Put down your phone, pick up your popcorn. You're gonna want to see this. Presented by the Ruthless Podcast. Hello and welcome to beautiful Miami in an absolutely perfect night where we welcome in the third presidential debate behind us. There will be five candidates vying for the Republican nomination for a very, very serious election that we have one year from right now. Fellas, welcome. Here we are. Beautiful Miami. It's been a little tough day. It has been. You know, I would like to begin tonight by saying it was a very difficult day. <laughs> this event was shut down. They started taking everything apart. Everyone was told to go home. However, 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 however. I want to thank Mayor Francis Suarez. I want to thank Chief of Police Manuel Morales for helping get the show back on track, and we will continue with the show tonight. It would not have happened without them. Thank you both. It would not have Thank happened them all without them. so much. So, some might even say they had the courage to do the right thing. That's, that's <laughs> right. And, that's right. Uh, and I got to say, fellas, I feel a lot better here tonight than I did in Milwaukee. Oh, uh, with it's not 115. Not 115 degrees. Yeah. We got a great breeze coming in from the ocean. We got these beautiful people here in the crowd. Look at all you. Thank yeah, you all for coming. It. Thank you all so much. Really great appreciate crowd. it. I mean, this is, look, we've, we've undergone some things here. You have no idea. <laughs> we have undergone some things. This entire place had to be dismantled and rebuilt in the last three hours. And we got it done. We got yeah. it done. Here we are. And here we, we are. We sing, we dance, and we entertain. And we entertain. And there's going to be a lot of entertaining tonight. Are you going to sing? No. Come on, just a couple of bars. No. Something? No. Just off the top of your head. I got nothing. I got nothing for you. Free, free bird. <laughs> uh, all right. So, fellas, look, this is obviously very important. We're in the backdrop of a Tuesday election that happened yesterday, right. which is a sort of a mixed bag. It depends on where you live, right? Uh, but I think expectations were set in a different place, given a whole bunch of polls that happened and uh, over the weekend. You saw a New York Times poll where... Biden was sucking wind, and I think a lot of people expected Republicans to just sort of capitalize upon that. And we walked into yesterday's election with hey, kind of a split. What does that do to this debate that we are having here, and what do you think that means for the larger Republican universe? So I, I want to start with that, and one of the things I've seen the discussion happening online 
is saying this is 100% the fault of Trump, that like he has cast a shadow over Republican candidates across the country. Any candidate who's endorsed by Trump ends up losing. I, if I had to guess, that will be a central theme of, of these candidates vying on the debate stage, trying to make their case of why they should be the pick for the Republican Party going into this. You could turn the page from a 18, 20, 22, now 23 losing streak. Uh, again, so like, in, you know, following that New York Times poll, which showed, you know, President Trump leading Joe Biden in so many swing states, it's going to be a tough argument to make. But it, I think it's absolutely going to be one that we're going to see. Well, and, and, and it feels a little bit like Groundhog Day, right, from mm -hmm. the 2022 midterms. And, and we've said this previously on this show. It's like... Smug, and you did a great job on the last episode talking about this. It's like, oh, what a nice, what a nice compliment on on the issue of crime. Very gentlemanly. We we agree with Republicans. Yep. On the issue of the economy. Yeah. We agree with Republicans on the issue of national security. We agree with Republicans. Oh, um, you you think you know the 2020 election was still stolen today, and you would like to overturn that election? No, we're not going to vote for you. Nothing and, turns off independent voter, voters like that. Right. Nothing. And, and, and I, I think, you know, uh, I've also been critical of a lot of the candidates on, that will be on stage tonight for not sharpening the knives enough, yeah. for not talking in, in as strong a contrast. You think that changes tonight? Yeah, I think it has to, right? I mean, because this, was the, this election yesterday was the last proof point of the argument they're trying to make mm -hmm. because the polls haven't benefited them i mean donald trump's up by 40 points yeah right yeah um but elections where it's not polls where people actually have to vote that's the contrast right there it's been handed to the it's been a gift in the laps of everybody's gonna be on stage tonight it's up to them to draw that contrast. Yeah, well, I think you're right point. that tonight is a big night, and we've had two debates already, and the first one was raucous. And part of the reason for that is because there was a gigantic studio audience. Yeah. audience was a little smaller in the second debate, a little bit bigger tonight. Mm -hmm. And some of these candidates on stage, and we'll get into this later in the program, some of these candidates on stage are very, very talented when it comes to playing to the audience. And... I don't know about you guys, but I think the audience has a very, very important role in a debate like we're mm -hmm. going to see tonight. Absolutely. Because if somebody delivers a line, everybody goes nuts, and uh, and that informs voters. But, and, and if you're a Republican voter and you watched what happened last night, you want answers too. Yeah. Yes. You want the people that want to lead our party and represent our party as the presidential candidate to have a solution to the problems in our party, like. I want that as a voter myself. Yeah, I mean, you don't. Nobody likes to lose, right. right? Part of this is expectations, right? As we said with the the polls that came out earlier, you think you know there's a nadir basically of where Biden is at. Couldn't possibly be more unpopular president. You figure that that translates into polls and, and into votes, and it didn't in a lot of ways. Now, that being said, a, a big bellwether that everybody was talking about was Virginia, mm -hmm. and. The fact of the matter is, I think you said the stat uh, earlier to me, John, is that everywhere where Republicans were minus nine. Yeah, every every district that Joe Biden won by nine points or less was won by a Republican in the state of Virginia. So, I mean, no look, kidding. You, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't know that from the headlines. You, you wouldn't know that at all. Right. I mean, I think everybody out there is thinking, ah, you know, we're expected to have a Senate House Republican majority. And in the end, came up short, and that was the that was the bar for success. But if it's every single place up to nine points into the Biden vote share, 
the Republicans won, that's a little different picture, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. Wow. And I mean, look, it's a state where like we didn't draw those lines. Yeah. Right? Like we didn't draw those state Senate lines. And so you're you're you know, it's an uphill battle to to try to replicate what Glenn Youngkin was able to do in the gubernatorial race. The, the only the other thing I would add to that, which is another silver silver lining from last night, is I think Republicans, when given the opportunity and we have the leadership like Glenn Youngkin to get people to the polls early for early voting. So we're not on Election Day with hundreds of thousands deficit in banked votes. Right. It 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 pays dividends. Yeah, it, it really, really does. And and. Um, don't look at I guess the point you're making and the point that I was trying to make is is don't look at that as a failure. No, there was great progress made in a lot of different ways in Virginia, albeit missed the mark in terms of what the ultimate goal was. The other one was a Kentucky. And now look, that's a state that a lot of us uh, here on stage have had some familiarity with over the years. And it's a little bit different, difficult to. Explain because everybody looks at it in the context of presidential elections. It goes by 20, 25, 30 points to a Republican candidate pretty typically now in the last 10 years. But on the state level, you still have these sort of old school blue dog Democrats that are registered Democrat. And it's still almost parody from a registration standpoint. Mm -hmm. And in, in the end, it, state politics operates very, very differently than federal politics does. And the governor race is no question a big part of that if you look at what andy Bashir did in kentucky by winning re-election he raised 25 million dollars mm -hmm. i think you told me that uh daniel cameron had what five yeah five Just a little more than five yeah so five million to over 20 million is is, is, is right yeah they, that kind of money disparity makes a difference in a race and and especially in a governor's race that's as high profile and has a premium like democrats have placed on that in kentucky but one of the challenges about looking at the results yesterday is that it, it really it's not a nationwide race, uh, uh, you know, not a nationwide election. Every state had something different. I ran into Cory Gardner, former senator from Colorado, and he pointed out to me that Republicans actually had a pretty big win in the state of Colorado, blue state, huge uh, you know, in the last few uh, cycles. But there was a ballot issue that is was had to do with their budget and. Republicans won there. So, like, so, so are there I mean, to, some to, to your point, I mean, the, the, the general counsel, when I was chief of staff uh, to McConnell, won by 16 yeah. as attorney general in Kentucky. In Kentucky, right? right? So, it, 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 again, down ticket, mixed Republican. bag, didn't get exactly what we wanted, but there is some nuance to it that you're not going to read about in the media, but we're happy to provide it. Before we get into too much analysis, folks, I think we might have a very important guest here. This is the RNC chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. See you. Hey. Good to see you. We're so good. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna uh, allow her a minute to get her headset on and get situated. But I will say, again, none of you will be would be here, and we wouldn't actually be broadcasting this if not for the excellent help that was provided by you, by your team, thank everybody you. that helped make this happen. Thank you very much. Richard Walters in particular. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, absolutely. Richard. I heard there were some technical issues oh, today. Oh, man. Richard had to step in. You and sent Richard on over? Like, it was all hands on deck. He just came in here and just handled it. 
Thank well, you so I was much. with him, so it was actually me. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> that Don't give right. Richard the credit. It was all me. It was all you. You guys look so nice. Thank Isn't this something? Isn't it amazing that it's actually cooler here than it was in Milwaukee? Yes. Yes. It's something else. That was so hot. I know. How did we survive that? How it was 115. We, it was so hot. Good to see you guys. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Great to be in Florida. Rod, listen, I, you spend all day, every day. Yes. Figuring out how to win these elections. Obviously, the biggest one is what we're debating Correct. about here tonight. But everything down ticket and everything else is something that you focus on. And as we were just discussing, mixed bag from last night. Some wins, some losses. Yeah. Um, so we're more federal. I, okay. I think I will say there's a misnomer. The RNC is a federal committee. So I can't actually raise state dollars. I can't come to Florida and be on a, a, a fundraising invitation for any state candidate. That's against the law. I'm a federal officer. So we're House, Senate, President. But when we are in those states, we help the whole ticket. Right. Okay. So yesterday, you know, Virginia has unlimited limits. So they went to the candidate and the state party and obviously Governor Yunkin. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a tough day. I will tell you my take and I'll say it again Please. and again and again. You guys, we cannot ignore abortion. We cannot cross advertise and run only crime ads. And then the Democrats run abortion ads. And then we sit and pretend like that's not being discussed. There's no debate. Listen, I watched all the ads in Virginia. Yeah. The candidates on our side did not address it. So if somebody's lying about you and they say you won't give life-saving care for a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy, that is not true about our party. Yeah. But if you do not respond, the lie becomes the truth. Mm -hmm. If you look at the ads in Kentucky against Daniel Cameron, it's all abortion. Devastating. We yeah. have to, as a party, be able to discuss this. I have been saying this since 2022. Go figure that a suburban woman might understand this issue. I'm going to say it again and again and again. It's a one-two punch. You get up. You say this is a tough issue. I get it. We have to show compassion. We need to understand that this is a country divided on this issue. And we can find some consensus. Democrats want abortion on demand in the ninth month. They want gender selection abortion. Shouldn't we agree that there should be a humane limitation when a baby feels pain? Mm. Shouldn't we all be able to come to that humane limitation? Will the Democrats meet me here? What is it an abortion they're against? If we do that, then we can talk about crime, fentanyl, the border, what's happening on a national security front. But it's a one-two punch. And our consultants, a lot of our guys are saying, just talk about crime, ignore abortion. That's not going to work. Yeah. And nope. we've learned this. I mean, I, I, I don't want to just uh, keep coming back to this issue but like I, I saw the same ads you're talking about in you virginia they were very dishonest yeah so and so wants to ban everything and it, it just like these candidates were were not saying that i mean to your point you have to be able to push back i sent messages to the candidates in these races and said please 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 refute the lie I liken it to Rocky. How many of you have seen Rocky? Everybody's seen Rocky? Everybody's got to okay. see Rocky, right? If you haven't seen Rocky, you're not American. Yes. Right. <laughs> right, right. But remember Rocky when Apollo Creed's kicking the crap out of him and yeah. hitting him in the eye, and you're saying, Rocky, just put your hands up, right? Just put your hands up. We are not putting our hands up. When somebody is lying about you to the tune of 30 million on TV, when you don't respond and say, that is a lie, Yeah then it's the truth yeah. to the voters. And 
this is something we have to take out of 2022 and we have to take in, uh, uh, into 2024. The RNC, we sent a memo out about this before 2022. We told the candidates, you have to address this. I got Heisman big time. Um, and now. How do you get Heisman? Look I got you. Heisman. You're, I mean, you're like the head honcho. Yeah, they, but I don't make the ads. The RNC yeah. doesn't do TV. People don't understand. The RNC doesn't do TV. It's the pollsters, it's the consultants, it's the candidate. We're ground game. Ground game was not the issue yesterday. Money in Virginia was not the issue yesterday. It was messaging. Mm -hmm. And if we don't learn from this, we are doomed to repeat this in 2024. And also to reiterate, I think it's very critical, something that you had mentioned, is that the RNC operates on a federal level. So like yep. gubernatorial races, state no. secretary, all that is in the purview of like state parties and committees that do all of that. Exactly. We I legally can't raise state dollars. It's a waste for me to take federal dollars, which I'm capped at raising, to put into a state like Virginia where a candidate can take a $10 million check. I can't, I can't even take a million dollar check, yeah. right? People don't understand the roles of the parties necessarily. Well, it would be a lot better if we didn't have McCain fine. It would be a lot better. It would be a lot better. Amen. Do but a when lot I was Michigan that. chair, yeah. I could take unlimited state dollars. I never went to the RNC to help me with my state Supreme Court races or my Senate, state right. Senate or House races. That was on me as party chair of my state. Um, but I will say, I don't. it's not the party chairs. It's the candidates. And if you were in Virginia watching it, if you watch the ad, go look at the ad ran against Daniel Cameron in Kentucky of the young woman who was raped when she was 12 years old yep. by her father. Devastating ad. And got pregnant, and she talked about it to ad. camera. That ad was It so probably was the outcome. It, was it probably the was the outcome. Because we won everything else down ticket in Kentucky. Yep. Well, by big margins. 16, by big margins. So Tate Reeves won. We just flipped a gubernatorial seat in Louisiana. The media is going to want you depressed. They're going to want to say, oh, it was such a bad night. Last night was a lot of status quo. Yeah. Republican incumbent governors won. Democrat incumbent governors won. We flipped a governor's seat in Louisiana. Uh, Ohio, that abortion issue was yeah, going to... But, oh my gosh, thank goodness it was this year and not next year when we have a competitive <laughs> Senate seat. Yeah. We knew we were going to lose that. The RNC doesn't do ballot initiatives. We can't. Um, so there's just a lot that we need to take away. But I will tell you this, if our candidates cannot figure out this abortion messaging, mm -hmm. because think about it this way, what can the Democrats run on? They can't run They've on crime. They can't run on the border. They can't run on 71,000 people dying of fentanyl. They can't run on school choice. They can't run on any other issue. So they're going to put all their eggs in this basket and they will lie and they will manipulate and they will fear monger and scare voters. And we but, saw it. Last, one, one, one thing I would say, though, is, is like, it's got to be tough for Daniel Cameron or, or, or some of these candidates who are being outraised and outspent, you know, 25, 25 to 5. Yeah. And because I hear you, it's like, but how do you convince somebody to, to you know, okay, I know you want to run your TV ad about your biography and all of these other things, but you need to actually be spending that money running an ad countering an ad that they ran when you're going to be outspent five to one. It, it, it it's a tough thing. I view it differently. Inoculate. Get out of the gate first. Yeah. It's hard to dig yourself out of a hole. Mm. But if you go on TV first and say, hi, I'm Ronna McDaniel. I'm proud to be pro-life. This is who I am as a person. But I understand this is a deeply personal issue for voters across this country. So we, th we should have a consensus with exceptions and a limitation when we know a baby feels pain. That's why she's the chairwoman of the United States.
If you define yourself, they can't lie about you. So do that up front in your bio ad and then say, so now I want, I want you to hear it from me because the Democrats are going to lie to you about me, but I want you to know that from me. Now let's talk about the rising crime in our country or the 70. Yep. And if you do that, you win. Every candidate should inoculate this issue right out of the gate. Absolutely. Then they don't have to dig themselves out of a hole. I feel like we got some good. You got Rana, the strategist, yeah. here tonight. <laughs> wow. This is fantastic. I wish I could stuff. go do this. I, I actually am thinking about making a you fake You should. Ad, well, like come a, on over. We got, like a, we got, uh, like a, a, a bio. I'm, I actually said I'm going to bring back my podcast. so I could We've got an office for you. You can come on yeah. in. Just I want to do it. this. The thing is, the polling completely supports this, is, is what is so critical, especially, you know, you mentioned, you know, a lot of consultants might try to get their cash to shy away from it. The polling supports the the Democrats want like up to birth. Some even said the previous governor of Virginia said past birth yeah, abortion. It's, it's politically toxic. The majority is with us. Gender selection abortion. Democrats get on a debate stage. If your daughter's raped, what will you do? You know, I wouldn't have a daughter because you believe in aborting girls just because they're girls. Yikes. You're where China and North Korea is. Put them on the defense. Mm, yeah. And we as a party have got to get conversant on an issue we have fought, we're proud to have fought for, for over 50 years, but now we've got, the fight's not done. I love that you've taken this opportunity here today to do a very specific thing, because I think that's newsworthy, mm -hmm. I think it's important, and I think everybody has to hear it. Rana, we got to get you back. I know, inside. I got to go. You're hosting in. some stuff in there. I know there's a debate there's going something, on. There's something happening right? no, over I, here. We certainly didn't. Okay, five. There's five Five of us. Who, who should we be from the debate? Uh, we well, he's got to be Vivek. Oh. Oh. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> That is not fair. Well, you can have Nikki, so there we go. We'll yeah, I'm Nikki. Then. You're Nikki. You're yeah. Nikki. Awesome. Yeah. Thank right. you Thanks, so much. Ronald McDaniel, everybody. Bye, Bye. everyone. We're going to go to a quick ad break. We will be back shortly. This episode is fueled by the American Petroleum Institute. No matter your politics, no matter the debate, one thing is certain. America runs on affordable, reliable energy. America's policies must recognize that Americans benefit from making, moving, and improving the energy right here in America. Today, America's oil and natural gas industry supports nearly 11 million jobs and provides American energy to keep this nation strong. Learn how at API.org. I do not respect men who do not honor their word. Those words from the Senate floor weren't an attack across the aisle. It was Senate Republicans Joni Ernst and Dan Sullivan attacking fellow Republican Tommy Tuberville. Why? Abortion. And specifically, Senator Tuberville's heroic fight against a Biden administration order in the days following the Dobbs decision to ignore the law and turn the Department of Defense into one giant abortion machine. Tuberville told Biden if he did that, he would force the Senate to follow its own rules and vote to confirm military promotions. Chuck Schumer called his bluff, but Tuberville kept his word. Now, his own colleagues are turning on him, even those who profess to be pro-life. After failing to undercut Tuberville on the floor, they're talking about joining Democrats to change the rules of the Senate to get around him. I do not respect men who do not honor their word. I feel that way too. And like so many other pro-life Americans, I'm tired of Republican politicians who tell me they're gonna fight for my values on the campaign trail and then go to Washington and do just the opposite.
Millions of Americans earn and use credit card rewards. A few big box retailers want to take those rewards away, rewards we use on groceries and school supplies, the cash back to save on gas and grow our small businesses, and travel miles we use to make memories. The so-called Credit Card Competition Act would eliminate credit card rewards. No more travel miles, no more cash back. When lawmakers help mega retailers line their pockets, we pay for it. Tell your lawmaker to vote no on the big box bill. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com to take action today. The Biden-Harris administration's plan to ban menthol cigarettes is on the verge of approval. But with a border crisis and violence overseas, this new prohibition poses a grave threat to our security. Millions of counterfeit cigarettes pour across the border every day. And authorities in Mexico warn the ban will add fuel to the fire. This reckless policy would enrich cartels and terror groups. We cannot afford to jeopardize our national security. Tell President Biden to stop the menthol ban. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. We appreciate you. Thank you all for coming here. I hope Thanks is everybody enjoying so themselves. <laughs> wonderful crowd, wonderful night. Really appreciate it. Honestly, this is I mean, it's Miami, right? No, you can't, you can't have a bad time here. What's well, not to love? Listen, we got a really important guy here. Some of you may not have met him before, but you're about to, and you're going to regret not knowing him for a long time. This is Jeremy Hunt, vets on duty. Appreciate everything that you do. We got a lot of questions, but thank you. Thank you. It's great to be with you guys. Let's hear for Jeremy. Thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, I should start off by saying I come bearing guests from the great state of Georgia. Oh, oh, oh really? Uh, oh, that. Yeah, so I, I brought you guys some one of my favorite beers. Uh, this is Creature Comforts from... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the, uh, Old and you know nice what? West Arcuzzi. Michael. That. So, Michael. No, that you know what this cold. means, Michael? No, it's... A, uh, oh, I know what this means. It's, it's an IPA. You Michael, can't chuck an IPA. Michael, you know what this means? No. He, I didn't know it was coming. You didn't know it was coming. You know what this means. He's really going to do it. Yeah, of course oh, he is. IPA. He's a gentleman the way that the gentlemen do things. Yes, thank you. Wow. Let's get a round of applause. There we go here, huh? That is not fun with an IPA. No, I know. I mean, that's, that's tough. Well, that's empty. That is empty. It's empty. Now the show's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Jeremy, I know you from your media appearances and the, your work, but we had a full bio and, and questions and all kinds of things that, uh, unfortunately, I was unable to do because I was dealing with the chief of police <laughs> this afternoon. But because the Ruthless Variety program is very versatile, we have two people that read every single word and everything that you've done. I'm sorry. And, and those two no, I, are look, I, very well suited. I, I, I think what y'all are doing right now on the, I saw the letter that you guys had sent yeah. to the Biden administration on Iran. And with everything that's going on in Israel and Iran funding these proxies, the Houthis, Hezbollah, Hamas, not, I mean, there's not a more important time to be talking about it than right now. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think what y'all are doing is really leading in on this. And can you, t can you tell for our audience 
what's going on with that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm proud to represent an organization called Veterans on Duty. Uh, and we're a group of, of veterans from around the country who, one thing we always say is that our, our commitment to this country didn't end when we took off our uniform. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. We are still totally committed to making sure we have a, a military that's strong, that we have strong national security policies, um, and making sure that we're a focused military. We aren't getting distracted by all these crazy progressive pet projects that yep. the Biden administration has been pushing yep. on. Um, but, but recently, we've been really pushing in on this, on this Iran issue. Um, you know, it, well, depends on how much time we have here. I could go down the long list, but I'll just start just this past July, past June. Um, Biden administration has been obsessed with Iran, kind of re, you know, basically resuscitating this this Iran nuclear deal. Even basically trying to be friends. Yeah, exactly. Um, he brings on this guy named Rob Malley, who was the architect of the deal back in the, in the Obama days. That um, was the pallets of cash situation. Exactly. This yeah. guy comes back, and he's all of a sudden in, in, in July, in June, he's suddenly uh, gets a security clearance revoked. He's under investigation for mishandling classified documents. And to this day, it's still under investigation. No information left on that. Two months later, all of a sudden, this money, $6 billion, uh, is, is suddenly the Biden administration announces on 9-11 of all time oh, that they're going to release $6 billion to Iran. Um, a week after that, the president of Iran is welcome to the United States, who was given, he's given a visa issued by Joe Biden uh, to come and speak at the United Nations. Uh, by the way, his nickname is the Butcher of Tehran. He's Ugh. on American soil. That's his nickname? And we, oh, yeah. And we know now that he was Jesus. planning the attack on Israel even during the time when he was here. That's right. Uh, a week after that, we hear that there's been this, uh, the story leaks that Iran has had this kind of information warfare kind of uh, a deal, uh, kind of foreign influence campaign with the highest levels of government mm -hmm. uh, in the Biden administration. Wow. Rob Malley's team. Uh, and so all of this type of information starts coming out. And then a week after that, of course, we start seeing the, the attacks on Israel uh, and then Iran's proxies have been attacking the United States. Um, even just Which is so amazing yeah. in many ways because if you listen to the immediate comments after all of that, they were low. They, they, you could not say, well, we don't know what the links are to Iran. Oh, we, yeah. have not find a, we have not found a smoking gun. That's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, like we've, the smoking gun has existed for 20 years. Yes. No doubt about it. I mean, the, this this idea of appeasing Iran and just hoping that they'll just like us magically. I mean, even it was so, so crazy, Jake Sullivan, even a week before the attacks in Israel, goes on the news and says, you know, the Middle East has not been this peaceful in 20 years. It's I mean, wild. Totally wild. Insane. It was stunning. Uh, he says, I don't spend much of my time thinking about the Middle East these days. <laughs> this is yeah. the, the What's he thinking about? This is our national security. And that was days. Days before. Days before October That's 7th. Right. That's right. So. We at Veterans on Duty, we wrote a letter, uh, a formal letter to the United States Congress demanding answers on Bi Biden's shady dealing with Iran, uh, demanding that we stand with Israel, uh, and, and also demanding accountability. We want to know what's going on, because a lot of veterans sacrifice yes. blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice time away from their family mm -hmm. overseas to watch Biden just totally destroy everything we built. And, Isn't and, it terrific to have some yes, organizations yes. working on so that? Much. And, and people forget, a lot of people forget when, when President Trump uh, took out Soleimani, mm -hmm. you know, he, it's, this guy's like commander of the Quds Force, and, you know, they had attacked American troops in the Middle East. Their specialty was, was, was IEDs to try to kill American troops. most significant killer right. of American troops. Right. And we turned him into salsa. Soleimani yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> into salsa. That's, That's right. smug line. That's right. Yeah. And I'm happy we did it. I mean, and, and if you just look, since Biden's been in office, we've had to now evacuate six embassies. I mean, his right. whole policy, yeah. and it all started with the botched uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan. Since then, 
all of our enemies abroad have been emboldened, yep. uh, and we've just seen it's dangerous. I mean, even today, we've seen the attacks on, on American troops. Uh, one of our one of our uh, uh, aircraft was just shot down. I mean, we just we've seen all this is going on right now because we have a president who doesn't know what day it is, mm-hmm. uh, and it's conti- and it's totally deluded himself into thinking that we can just convince a murderous regime in Iran to do what we want. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. The only way we can we can make sure we have a safe uh, a safe a safe country and also peace abroad is a strong United States. There you go. That's, the only that's right. That's, 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 that's such a great point. And I want to ask you where you see this going, because we all watched in horror what happened on October 7th. Yeah. We know the Iranians are funding Hamas. We know they're funding Hezbollah. We know they're funding the Houthis and Yemen. Do you think that this engagement uh, is going to increase? Like, are we, are we going to see more rockets fired from Yemen? Are we going to see more engagement from the north, from Hezbollah? And how do you think that the Biden administration will respond to that? Yeah, well, well, first off, I mean, I, I hope that the Biden administration will continue to say that we're, we support Israel's right to self-defense. I mean, that's yeah. got to be key. Of course, there is a huge faction on the left that is putting pressure on the administration, writing strongly worded letters. Uh, you know, these, pol- these guys, on the, folks on the Hill and people in, in the State Department saying we disagree with this policy. <laughs> as if someone cared. He's anonymous. I noticed they don't sign their names. Yeah, anonymous. Like anonymous these know. fucking yeah. cowards. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so the number one thing we've got to make sure that we stand with Israel. If we start calling for, you know, for a ceasefire, for peace, that is a lifeline to Hamas. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so we can't have that. Um, and, and you don't get to go. You don't get to invade Israel literally behead children and then all of a sudden say, oh, no, ceasefire, you know, no, Israel has a total right to self-defense. Uh, I believe that they are very clear on their goals. That is to end Hamas and, and Gaza, and, and they have a right to do that. And so we as in the United States need to make sure we continue to support that uh, and push against the own, our own just kind of rising tide of anti-Semitism in this country. It's awful. Disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's totally uh, disgusting. Uh, and even in the, in the black community, I've seen just horrible things uh, said um, that that is not what this country stands for uh, and we have to be able to push back and we need leaders and I hope we see this tonight on the debate stage leaders standing up and saying no America we stand with there you go That's right. Jer- listen Jeremy Hunt a real hero right here thank you so much thank for you joining so us. much really appreciate Truly. it thank, thank you so much, much. so uh, look we're gonna stay on this issue if you listen to the podcast as all of you do but if you listen to it uh, with frequency, you know that this is an issue that we feel very strongly about. And we're going to continue this discussion even when others are turning the page on it because it is, it, it, it's a moral clarity issue. Right? That is, that's right. It's a moral clarity issue. You either have it or you don't. You've seen increasingly that Democrats do not have that. Two, I'm, I'm looking at our next guest. And, oh, yeah, there she is. There she is. Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa, who has been a terrific champion of all of this. Thank you so much for coming. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Senator. Thank you. We, um, look, it's not always sexy to talk about foreign policy, right? And a lot of people will say, uh, you know, are these things something that affects me directly? But the reality is it does affect you directly. And it's about the safety and security of your home, about the... Uh, inflation is a big piece of this, about the world global economy, all of these things. And I'm so thankful that we have people like Senator Ernst who are watching out for these things, even when they aren't on the front of the news. Now they are. Yes. But you've been doing this since day one. Right, exactly. It, It really is a big part of my portfolio. 
what I watch and what I engage in in the United States Senate. And it is an interest to me because I, I served in the Army Reserves and the Iowa Army National Guard. I deployed for Operation Iraqi Freedom as a company commander. So it isn't a region that I pay attention to, the Central Command region. And we see what's going on with Israel. Um, we see uh, the potential for an Israel-Saudi Arabia peace agreement. Um, we see a lot of uh, terrorism throughout that region. It's what I pay attention to. We have China, of course, and yeah. Taiwan. We have Russia and Ukraine, all of these breakout areas. But we also have to pay attention to South America. And what's the Russians are in South America. Yeah. Um, we have the Chinese is, in South America. This is, well, when this you is have an open border. Uh, yeah. This well, is part of the void, right? So I mean, this is the argument when people are like, why do we deal with all of this stuff? Like, why don't we just sort of focus on our own things? Problem is that there's a void that's left that's exactly. filled at right. some point. And when it's filled, what you're talking about, I think, is the fact that China, Russia, Iran and others start to fill the void Absolutely. vacated by the United States. When democracy and freedom contract, mm -hmm. these authoritarian regimes will expand. Uh, the void that is left there, someone will fill. Yes. I would rather it be America and, and partners and allies. So I, I always use the expression America first, but not America alone. So I do believe in the strength of America, but I see us as a great convener. We're the ones that can leverage our friends and partners so that we don't have to bear the brunt of everything. Right. We can leverage those friends and partners to help fill in that gap with the ideals that we believe in, which right. is freedom. And a, a really important thing that Josh mentioned is the impact that happens across the world when America does not have a leadership position. You saw in the, in the aftermath of the shameful Afghanistan withdrawal under the Biden administration, you had countries like China, many nations trying to get off the US dollar as a currency because they right. felt that, well, America, if they're not leading the way, I guess we will start moving in a separate direction. That's the necessity for a And also America. moving into like rare earth. Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so, right. So, so, so that, oh. yeah, right. So, so we, we left Afghanistan and China came in Yep. Rolled out the red carpet and was like, we're going to help you mine all these rare earths. A trillion dollars of rare earths. Tri trillion dollars. It is trillion a trillion dollars. dollars left behind in Afghanistan. And the Chinese have over 60 contracts mm. with the Taliban for those rare earth minerals. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, they, look, the polit and all for a political point. Right. They basically they wanted, wanted to do it on 9 11. They like, wanted to do it on 9 11. Such a horrific. 20th anniversary. They were dead set upon it and the aftermath not just the absolute devastation the people we left behind the marines that were killed all of that is just contemptible beyond contempt but we also left a gold mine for yes. the chinese and everybody else that's why foreign policy matters because it it, matter. and it's related to domestic policy because yep. you have a Biden administration that says we have to get rid of oil and gas yeah we can't frack anywhere anymore. <laughs> we need we need to, we need to build these electric batteries. How the hell do you think we make them? It's the rare earths in Afghanistan. Sounds like I love this idea. This is a really good. <laughs> They're idea. like that's awesome. Yeah. That's sweet. Great. So, so get me started on Biden's big priority last year for our National Defense Authorization Act. His big priority was to electrify 
the vehicle fleet for the United States military. So starting, start, I'll give him, okay, I'll give him this, starting with the non-tactical vehicle fleet. But the plan was to get that done within a few years' time and then expand to everything else in the military. Just, and just folks, what we need. Just making an Abrams tank look more like a Toyota Prius. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Do they have dragon and generators on battlefield? <laughs> okay, so the kicker is, I was a transportation company commander <laughs> in Kuwait, Iraq. Okay, so my guys, we pick up loads in Kuwait at the ports and uh, the, the warehouses, push all of that stuff up into Iraq. I can't imagine. And this was 03 to 04. So think, not developed. Mm -hmm. But rolling up into Iraq and, you know, being like, hey, hey, Mr. Iraqi. Where's the nearest charging station? I've got 60 vehicles I need to charge. Hey, man, y'all got plug-ins in here? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. No. It doesn't work. And who is benefiting from all of those electric yeah. vehicles? Yep. It's China. China. It's China. So let's turn our focus to what's behind this. Oh, my gosh. For a minute. This street? <laughs> yeah. Okay. The street, the cars. And this is great. We have five candidates. This is amazing. And I'm not asking you, I'm not going to ask you any tough questions about who you're doing. I know you, you've supported and been a concierge. Yes. Basically anybody I'm an ambassador. Who ambassador has, for the Iowa caucus. Has come in. We've but, seen it firsthand, and we love it. Yeah. We love it. We have. We've been it. We've been, we've been, been concierge. <laughs> we, yeah. Yes. We have. Um, but obviously you're first. Yes. This means a lot, right? It does mean a lot. It means a lot. And the, the candidates that have the wherewithal, the staying power, they will be the ones that are vying for those votes in the Iowa caucuses. And for those that, that don't know how the caucus works in Iowa, you do have to be a registered voter to attend the caucus. So you'll need to be a Republican. Democrats kicked us to the curb a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, they literally just abandoned it. Yeah, Joe Biden said, well, I lost in Iowa. I lost in New Hampshire, so let's go to South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Iowa Democrats really don't have anything going on. But Iowa Republicans, you have to be registered as a Republican, and you physically have to be at the caucus during the caucus hours. So no absentee ballots, none of that. You physically have to go to the caucus mm -hmm. and fill out your ballot at the caucus caucus and then you get to argue with your neighbors and you can argue with your neighbors it's but it's so not bad. as bad as the democrats we, in iowa it's not bad right i mean in iowa we're, you're we're like, iowa nice. it's a it's a it's a thoughtful discussion right it is i do like the idea of arguing with your neighbors <laughs> I, so, i'm actually super i'm super sad i don't live in iowa you would be an incredible i would be so good oh at God. being at a caucus you because would. you know because I'm an angry person, and I like arguing with people. <laughs> Michael, Michael, you might get the chance, because we have talked about going out to Iowa you in should. January for the caucuses, for the come on out. variety program. I think we're going to. Would you come if we did? I, I, do you even do that? <laughs> <laughs> so I funny. would be there in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I love Iowa. Iowa loves you. Uh, uh, we've, the we've, the ruthless fellas in. were in Iowa just a month back or so. Yeah came out, um, they set up shop in one of the local downtown bars, mm. standing room 
only. The place was packed. We have the best list. It was so It fun. was packed. Wasn't that they fun? They loved it. Oh, it, was it was a lot blast. of fun. God, it, it was, was a lot blast. of fun. It was awesome. But I, I would encourage, we've got a lot of folks out here. If you are interested in the caucuses, you can go and watch. You cannot vote. You well, cannot. it's important. But we call it political tourism. And mm. people from other states actually come into Iowa to go to the caucuses and watch. I mean, it's a lot of fun to be Seriously, honest. that's their vacation. It's a lot of fun. I had people tell me they come every four years. They're coming from like Texas <laughs> and Wyoming and you name it. They come to Iowa for the, because I was like, are you here on business? And they're like, no, we're, we're here for the caucuses. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, that's great. That's great. I mean, it really is a unique system, and it's an incredible yeah. group of people. We've always had such a blast in Iowa, and they've been so welcoming of us. We've had so many events. Wonderful I state. feel like I'm a, a, like a practically an Iowan. You're an honorary Iowan. Seriously. Right. Joni Ernst, thank you so thank much you for guys. what you do. Thank you so Appreciate much. Appreciate the fellas. Yeah. Thank you so much, Hunter. Thanks so much. It's good to see everybody. Thank you. We're going to have a great debate. All right. Thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much, Senator. All right, so if you watch the first one of these that we did, uh, what we like to do in this particular segment is break down all of the candidates that are on the stage and what we hope to expect, what we think we're going to expect, and what like people need to do to, to, to win or not win. Yeah. And I think the first one that we're doing, who's got Christy? I do. You have Christy? Of course I do. Yeah, I'm the loudmouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course I've got Chris Christie. You kidding me? Christie. Um, so what do you think? Well, look, I, uh, I think it's make or break for all the candidates on stage. Yeah. I don't think it's more make or break for anybody than Chris. Um, because I think he has drawn the hardest contrast. And uh, with Donald Trump, that is. And... Uh, he, what he needs to do, and I think in the backdrop of what happened last night in these elections where Republican voters are, you know, there's, it's a little demoralized. Yeah. People are a little demoralized. I get it. He, he needs to feed into that and say, you're demoralized not because of me or the people here on stage, but because of the guy who isn't here, the guy who's never been here. And if he doesn't do that, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough do you, think, do you think, given the backdrop, the environmental backdrop that you just described, do you think that there are other candidates that will begin? Because, uh, look, everybody on stage, with the exception of Chris, has been sort of loath to criticize yeah. former President Trump. He's obviously been the exception to that. Do you think there's more of that? What does that do with Chris? Like, what is, how does he handle that? Well, so I, I think he has to have the hottest fire. If he doesn't, I don't think he's going to have a chance to, yeah, get, I mean, yeah. to get there. I hope, Chris Christie, if you're watching this, come back. Be, be the murderer on stage. He, yeah. prob he probably is. Yeah, please, please be watching this, Governor Christie. I know. We, I, we, we all remember his reputation is like, oh, my God, this guy's on stage. He's going to kill somebody. Yeah. I haven't seen that in the first couple of debates. We need to see that. It's been weak tea. It's got to be now. It's been weak tea. I, 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 I want to play one of those please examples do. because... I don't think this cuts it. Let's let's play segment one on Christie. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look in that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching. Okay? And you're not here tonight 
not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that. No one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. Uh, it's it's not good. So it doesn't do it. It's just it just doesn't do it. And, and, and you know, we've seen we've seen Christie in these debates in yes. 2016. Knives were sharp. That's yep. pretty, pretty weak tea. I, I just don't think that it's going to work for Chris Christie. He needs to be way stronger in his critiques. And not just his I, critiques of Donald Trump, but also the other people on stage. Michael, I agree with you because so much of this is an expectations game. And Chris Christie is probably the most talented candidate in the field from an entertainment standpoint. Trump is very entertaining, too. But Christie is going to need all of his powers of yeah. humor in articulation if he wants to make a difference tonight. Yeah, it's just like if you're in the batter's box, you got to swing away at some point. Yeah, that's right. Especially where he is in the in, in the polls. It's like if you're not going to take a swing, put there, your bat down. There is it. no survive in advance. It is it is putting the barrel on the bat. It you're is. 100% right. And I think you're right in that the, the one thing that he brings that has energized people is authenticity in a level that doesn't, portrayed by that clip well it, but what he does in that clip which i like is he breaks that fourth wall and he's talking not just to donald trump but to the audience themselves mm -hmm. and that's always been chris's strength is the fact that he sees through the theater that is the debate itself and he's talking directly to the voters he's very good guys a prosecutor he's a prosecutor yep. right yeah. so on redirect he's fantastic and he has this great exchange with vivek in one of the previous debates let's play that now You've never done it like you've never done anything to try to advance the interests of this government except to put yourself forward as a candidate tonight. And here's the thing. We've stood up for law and order. I did it as U.S. attorney. I did it as governor. And I am not going to bow to anyone when we have a president of the United States who disrespects the Constitution. He said, he said, he said, he said, Martha, to call out the truth. Martha, it's important to say that the president said, Donald Trump said, it's okay to suspend the Constitution. Now, the oath you take is to preserve, protect, and defend, not suspend. I will always stand up for our Constitution, regardless of the political pressure. Played that for two reasons. Number one, his give a fuck factor has to be at zero. Yeah. It has to be at zero. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, tee off on somebody else on stage, but bring it back to the ultimate. It's point basically you want to just make. bring an Eastern baseball bat do to the stage and just start swinging. Right. If he, if he is just himself, if he is just responding to people naturally in the moment, like he's standing in a room with just these other four people who are running for president, he is responding to what it is that they're saying. He's going to be very funny. Yeah. yeah. And if he's funny, it captures. Well, I think I think let's be honest because. So I view a debate essentially it's like the Roman Coliseum, right? There's a crowd, classic smug take, and they want to see you kill somebody, right? Yeah. If you're not out there to slit a throat and give the audience a show, give them, you know, kill somebody out there, show them that you're the top dog. If you're if you're not there to do that, then why are you even there? Right. I feel I can't like disagree. You, you gotta no. go out there and you gotta fight. That's, especially that's especially when body. collectively you're down 30 points to a front runner that's who didn't show up. You right. gotta start slitting throats. Totally agree. Listen, we're gonna get to all of the candidates. That was our first one. We're gonna take a quick break. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for coming. Really appreciate it. Miami, love you.
This episode is fueled by the American Petroleum Institute. No matter your politics, no matter the debate, one thing is certain. America runs on affordable, reliable energy. America's policies must recognize that Americans benefit from making, moving, and improving the energy right here in America. Today, America's oil and natural gas industry supports nearly 11 million jobs and provides American energy to keep this nation strong. Learn how at API.org. I do not respect men who do not honor their word. Those words from the Senate floor weren't an attack across the aisle. It was Senate Republicans, Joni Ernst and Dan Sullivan, attacking fellow Republican Tommy Tuberville. Why? Abortion. And specifically, Senator Tuberville's heroic fight against a Biden administration order in the days following the Dobbs decision to ignore the law and turn the Department of Defense into one giant abortion machine. Tuberville told Biden if he did that, he would force the Senate to follow its own rules and vote to confirm military promotions. Chuck Schumer called his bluff, but Tuberville kept his word. Now, his own colleagues are turning on him, even those who profess to be pro-life. After failing to undercut Tuberville on the floor, they're talking about joining Democrats to change the rules of the Senate to get around him. I do not respect men who do not honor their word. I feel that way too. And like so many other pro-life Americans, I'm tired of Republican politicians who tell me they're gonna fight for my values on the campaign trail and then go to Washington and do just the opposite. Millions of Americans earn and use credit card rewards. A few big box retailers want to take those rewards away, rewards we use on groceries and school supplies, the cash back to save on gas and grow our small businesses, and travel miles we use to make memories. The so-called Credit Card Competition Act would eliminate credit card rewards. No more travel miles, no more cash back. When lawmakers help mega retailers line their pockets, we pay for it. Tell your lawmaker to vote no on the big box bill. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com to take action today. The Biden-Harris administration's plan to ban menthol cigarettes is on the verge of approval. But with a border crisis and violence overseas, this new prohibition poses a grave threat to our security. Millions of counterfeit cigarettes pour across the border every day. And authorities in Mexico warn the ban will add fuel to the fire. This reckless policy would enrich cartels and terror groups. We cannot afford to jeopardize our national security. Tell President Biden to stop the menthol ban. Fellas, we were just sort of marveling at the fact that there's just like a silky southern this southwestern. Is, this is the best weather I've experienced in my life. <laughs> Last time we did this, I'm not kidding, it was 115 degrees. It literally was, 115 degrees. I, I, I literally, after we got done with it, I thought it was going to have a heat stroke. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I am, so I know that Florida, everyone knows this is like the freest state in the country. Yeah. yeah. So many folks, especially in the face of COVID, moved here. You, yeah. Everyone made a very good decision to yes. move here because oh. this is beautiful. I mean, this is just as good as it gets. So we'll continue with our uh, debate analysis and our next candidate that's in the shooting room here, Vivek. I'm going to surprise everybody. I pick Vivek. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. Yeah. Can we get the first clip? George Bush and Dick Cheney. They sent people my age to go die in the Middle East racking up seven trillion dollars in national debt that did not advance anybody's interests 
And now the same class of people, Dick Cheney 2.0, trying to take over this Republican Party, set to do it all over again, marching us to World War III. I will keep us out of it. So, so I mean, this is a tough case to make. So as we, <laughs> so as we, as we all know, there was, last time we had a, a pre-debate show, there was a little bit of a Vivek boomlet afterwards. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he searched in the polls. Well, he certainly commanded a lot of time in that Milwaukee debate. Certainly. And, and, and in, in the aftermath, I think we've seen a little bit of his poll numbers have teetered off. So I think he had right there like a compelling message because there was certainly fatigue in terms of, you know, thinking of the United States as the world's police. Certainly. But I think now, in the aftermath of what we've seen of the Biden it's, administration. It hits different, right? It really does. Right. And that's the thing is, everyone knows Vivek is, you know, I mean, he, he made his money in tech. And now you've got this guy being like, I know how, like, countries work. That's, it's going to be a very <laughs> difficult situation when we've seen terrorist attacks where Americans have been killed and are yeah. currently kidnapped by terrorists. Giving, you know, But, bro, you're going to make me defend Vivek, right? No, now. you're not. A little bit. I want to hear this. Are you going to reach back to your libertarian roots? Well, you know. You, they all soft say, on terror, Duncan. They say I'm soft, soft on, on terror, <laughs> Duncan. Here we go. <clears throat> Here we go. I don't think he's wrong. I mean, I think the Iraq war was a mistake, and I think what we did over there did not advance America's interests. I, I really do believe that. But that's I think not, he's a very bad vehicle for that message because he's a smarmy dipshit. Oh, <laughs> wow. never put his, you didn't see that coming, did you? He's a smarmy dipshit who's never put his name on a ballot except to be president of the United States. Yeah. It's just, ah. look, I get that message. That message is one of the reasons I voted for Donald Trump in 2016, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Yeah, because you're soft on terror. Right? I'm not but, soft on no, terror. No, you have been. And it's been Look, I, what I'm saying is he's not wrong. He's just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Those that are the words I live by. <laughs> you know, actually, are you describing Vivek or Smug? Uh, no, but look, I mean, he is clearly extremely gifted. Yeah. And this guy can walk into any room and read it mm -hmm. and provide adequate answers. I mean, that's the thing is. This is an individual who has had successful raises for his tech companies. He's made a ton of money. He's done well for himself, and part of that is because he is so silky smooth the way he talks. Yeah. Uh, let's get that next clip. You might have, some others like you may have on the stage, it's Morning in America speech. It is not Morning in America. We live in a dark moment, and we have to confront the fact that we're in an internal sort of cold cultural civil you war. Are and we have to recognize that people with the failed win. government in Washington, D.C. We just need government as good as our people again. So I can so let me just finish addressing that slogan. See, this, so this is the thing is, I think one strength that Vivek really has is because he doesn't have experience in government or running before all that informs his decision makings of where he stands because he has no record mm. is what he feels is the pulse where do people stand was the polling saying what gets the loudest cheers we've seen someone succeed with that before right and so when he sees that like okay it feels like a moment where you know the crowd seems to cheer for okay we don't want to be foreign interventionists get that, it you know we're against the whole military industrial complex get it but, but this again, is also this is also now. where this asshole loses me, right? Because he's I, I I'm with him on what he said about Iraq, 
but it's all surface with him. It's all fucking surface. But, but, but also, think, change, doesn't it change entirely with the October 7th? That's, so you, to you, me, that is what's going to be incredible right. to see. I mean, I think that's the that's issue That's going to be a very important him. issue. So, like, what is he, how is he going to answer these questions? We haven't seen him since that. Central. Right. That is a very tough set of questions. Yeah. But if, if your answer is, well, you just leave Israel where it is, fend for itself, that's a hell of an which, answer. Uh, I mean, he has suggested as much before, which is, that's why it's going to be, a, 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 he's almost in a pickle because he's, Given that he has no previous experience and he's painted himself into one corner of where he stands, now he's going to have to weigh with now that situation. Because that whole philosophy, and this is the reality, is like it's great for tweets and it's great in theory, but in practice, when people are cutting off the heads of babies at kibbutzes in mm -hmm. southern Israel, we're just gonna we're gonna say no. It also can't sounds. Do anything about that? Look, I mean, I realize nobody reads history any longer, but it feels a lot like George McGovern to me. Um, anyway, I, that's enough for that. I appreciate. that. I think that's really good analysis. I give it a shot, man. Very best. You know what? You know what? Very best. You know what's interesting about about Vivek is that, and I think that there are a lot of voters who sort of subscribe to Michael Duncan's view of the guy. And uh, it didn't happen overnight. You know, people were interested in him right away. He's maybe the most talented talker in Extremely charismatic. Field. Extremely yeah, charismatic. He's, he's charismatic. And we said in the first debate pregame show that, you know, if you are born in Ohio to a good mother and father, that's maybe all you need to succeed in life. And what Vivek has proven over the last month and a half is that maybe you need a little bit more than that. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Wow. My God. That is the Ohio guy. All of jerk. a sudden, we've got a Brent Musburger opening to the next day. Brutal. I'll, I'll say less. It's nice. He put his kids on PJ. I saw that in a tweet. I love it. You know, good work, Vivek. Put your kids on a PJ. I can support so, that. We should all be so lucky. We should all be so lucky. Listen, we're going to go to our next one, and that's Nikki. Uh, Nikki Haley's obviously, from all headlines and polls and everything else, experienced a huge run-up from Hockey starting stick. in Milwaukee to today. And she has gone from somebody that basically, I think, political pundits patted on the head to somebody who's running two. Mm -hmm. to Donald Trump at this point. It's neck and neck with Ron DeSantis, but the point is is that she's defied a lot of expectations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's your take? Well, all five candidates on stage can lay claim to some area of expertise, but perhaps no candidate has more expertise in foreign policy than Nikki Haley. Let's go to clip number seven, Lee. This is where President Trump went wrong. He focused on trade with China. He didn't focus on the fact that they were buying up our farmland. He didn't focus on the fact that they were killing Americans. He didn't focus on the fact that they were stealing $600 billion in intellectual property. He didn't focus on the fact that they put a spy base off our shores in Cuba. They didn't focus enough on the fact that all of our law enforcement drones in America are Chinese and we've got all these little surveillance cells. We need to start focusing on what keeps Americans safe. That hasn't happened in a long time. As your president, I will make sure every American is safe and we'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. Here you have a candidate Damn. who is very, very strong. Very, she has full command. I mean, command. that sounded super convincing. Yeah, that right. really good. Full command of the issues on foreign policy. Bre like breath, she's breath, unafraid. Breath and depth, right? right? But also punched it right. at the end right. where she left you. Also, for the like record, a... I tried trading Ashbrook for Nikki and giving her Vivek and he refused it. <laughs> 
<laughs> it should go down to permanent record. That actually did happen. That did happen. Because that's pretty That did fire. happen. Yeah. Well, she took on President Trump, but he's not the only guy she's afraid. She's not afraid to take on. She actually took on Ron DeSantis on energy issues wow. in a previous debate. Let's go to clip number eight. We need a president that understands we have to partner with our producers and make sure that they, we have their backs. What you don't need is a president who is against energy independence. Ron DeSantis is against fracking. He's against drilling. He's been against. You did it. Every He always talks about what happens on day one. You better watch out because what happens on day two is when you're in trouble. Day two in Florida, you banned fracking. You banned offshore drilling. You did it on federal lands. And you took green subsidies that you didn't have to take. Here's the thing with that. Uh, she is unafraid to hit on a multitude of issues. She went back and forth with the DeSantis. DeSantis said it didn't happen. They put something out. The, the Haley campaign put something out just a couple of days ago showing that they were right. I, I, I don't know if that really works, though. Like, Well, it doesn't I mean, hit the broad well, audience, uh, right? Look, it's different in Florida. It just is different in Florida. Like, this whole thing is... Just, it, it, you know, if y'all live here, you know, um, there is a stewardship to the environment in the state of Florida. Totally agree. For obvious yeah. reasons. Um, that is different than a lot of other places. And so she's hitting DeSantis on something which, yeah, maybe it's a bank shot. And no, it's fair. Can't... I think it's fair. It's fair. Uh, it's fair. It's, it's totally, it's totally it's, fair. She should, is, as long as it's factual, I think She should do whatever she's got to do. My only point is, is like, it seems sort of small ball in the same way that like like Tim Scott in the last debate was like, Nikki Haley, you didn't send those drapes back from the U.N. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it actually works. Uh, no, I so I, I got to disagree. So I think the whole fracking thing is huge. Yeah, it is We've huge. seen fracking this, this climate cult like BS has become such a thorn in the side of America, especially when we went from being, you know, but the, ever, but the Everglades isn't West Texas, is my point. Sure. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's not a <laughs> sure, Florida think, audience. It's but, a national But when you're running national, and right. we went from being a country that was a net producer of energy to one that's back to importing it, yeah. I think that does hit. And, 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 and that's, I mean, a huge argument that Donald Trump has made. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. that's right. But Ron DeSantis isn't the only guy she, and, you know, Trump, DeSantis, she'll take on uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Let's play the next clip. A win for Russia is a win for China. We have to know that. Ukraine is the first line of defense for us. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand is he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. He wants to let China eat Taiwan. He wants to go and stop funding Israel. You don't do that to friends. What you do instead is you have the backs of your friends. Ukraine is a front line of defense. Putin has said if Russia, once Russia takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That's a world war. We're trying to prevent war. Look at what Putin did today. He killed Pergozin. When I was at the UN, the Russian ambassador suddenly died. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a American country. Oof. Yeah, no, that's, a, I, mean, I mean, that's a body she, bag. She will body not bag pull a shot. punch. Will well, not pull it, a punch. But it's body bag in particular because that was before October 7th. Yep. Right. That, that, I think that's what changed. That's happening tonight. Yeah. This this is happening again yeah. tonight. And, and so, like, the thing is, so I have been extremely skeptical of the whole Ukraine intervention situation, right? But I think what that shows is a, a tremendous amount of strength and foresight 
and experience. You're seeing experience in action. Yeah, it's almost like somebody, there's one person on stage who has a global strategy. Yeah. Right? It's not like, yes, we take this one thing for the political argument that it is, but she kind of like narrates her way through why it all matters in a way. That, well, and, and you it, see the experience shine through because it, it, it give, experience gives you foresight. And the, you know, and, where she's like, abandoning Israel because that is what essentially Ramasalmi but there's also presented. And so like now that we have seen this situation, that's why she seems like she kind of like yeah. had foresight. There's some rhetorical goalpost moving on this issue of foreign policy. Yeah. Like what used to be America first, America first under Donald Trump as president is is not the foreign policy no it's certain the vivek ramaswamis of the world yeah no it, it certainly like, wasn't isolation uh, yeah, right yeah. right like right uh, the abraham accords would not have happened under vivek soleimani no. would like to testify to that That's exactly okay. yeah you'd be exactly. like why couldn't vivek have won that <laughs> right and and i'll just i'll just close out nikki with this and i know we got to move on to another candidate but like with israel with russia with china Foreign policy has come to the top of the conversation totally in a way that it hasn't in years, and I feel like this is her area to shine. Too. Yeah, it's really, really well said, uh, and and a great analysis of it. So the one that I picked, obviously, Ron DeSantis. I did it last time uh, when we were in Milwaukee. Uh, he clearly is the elephant in the room. And there's a lot of folks in Florida who clearly love him. Yeah, I mean, look, if you live in Florida, you have benefited. Great yeah. deal. I Vermont envy tremendously. I, I will, t I will I mean, tell you this. My little sister lives in Orlando, and she didn't want him to run for president because she didn't want to lose him as governor of Florida. Yeah. yeah. Very, very Yeah, no, I mean, it, you see this kind of thing happening around. Uh, it, they think everybody thinks he's got – he still has the highest approval rating of anybody in Iowa. Yeah. They're not voting for him yet. But he still has the highest approval rating of anybody in Iowa. Guy's done a bang so, up job here. So, anyway, look, I, I think as he approaches the third debate, the issue is with Ron has never been substance. Ever. He has smoked substance. If he talks about it, they do something about it. If there is an issue that presents itself in front of the state, he legislates on it. He gets the entire... House and Senate together, and they pass something, and they do it immediately. And it's not like this is like some sort of subservient. I've heard a lot of, of people throughout the country being like, well, they'll do whatever he wants. Everyone who's ever served in a leadership role in government knows how difficult it is Insane. to get that many people on the same page to do what it is that you want to do. Mm -hmm. That's a skill set. Substance has never been his issue. Mm -hmm. It has been style. Yep. What is interesting is how this has evolved over time. Lee, if we could play the first clip, this will give you a good sense of like where it started. Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable, it's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. And it starts with understanding we must reverse Bidenomics so that middle-class families have a chance to succeed again. We cannot succeed as a country. If you are working hard and you can't afford groceries, a car, or a new home, while Hunter Biden can make hundreds of thousands of dollars on lousy paintings, that is wrong. We so, look, there's not a single one of us who would disagree with a single word that he said there. Not a single word. And that's the point. There's nothing controversial. There's nothing interesting. There is a set of talking points that he decided that he wanted to walk up to the stage with. 
and he delivered them. Mm -hmm. And like, that's great. And I love Ron DeSantis for it. And that is genuinely how he feels. He's not making anything up. But he's down 30. Mm -hmm. He's down 30. Yep. In every state that matters and nationally, he has to lower the teleprompter. He has to do what is in his gut. And what I've noticed over the last two weeks mm -hmm. is that he's turned the page. It's almost like, a, to borrow a phrase of yours, the give a fuck factor. Zero. Mm -hmm. It came off. It, it has been done. Yeah. And it's not covered in the national media, so you probably, I mean, look, look unless you're like a Ron DeSantis aficionado and you watch every single one of his speeches, you probably didn't notice because nobody's written about it. I noticed. I noticed. Lee, can we play the second clip, please? Wait a minute. Wait. Can we get rid of these teleprompters? I, you know, we we have a president. We don't even know who the president is who's ever loading the teleprompter. No, I don't think we need that in Florida. Let's get those done. You got to speak from the heart. It's not about reading off a teleprompter. There yeah. it is. Let Ron be Ron. Let Ron this is be Ron. This there is no substance issue. There's never been a substance issue. There's never been a candidate that's run for president who has less of a substance issue in terms of his command of what animates Republican primary voters than Ron DeSantis. Never. No. What has always been the issue is the script. Yes. And when you lower that teleprompter and Ron is Ron and he can do what he's going to do, people are going to see a different set of issues in terms of how they evaluate him. And my view is if in that building tonight, if Ron DeSantis lowers those teleprompters and he actually interacts with candidates and gives them his unvarnished take on everything, not only just his own record, but everybody else's. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, oh, Joe Biden sucks. Well, everybody thinks Joe Biden sucks. You're a Republican primary, for Christ's sake. Right. If he does this in a way that is authentic to Ron, he has a real opportunity here a very real opportunity and it's getting close to the point where it matters we've got consolidation in the field there's only five of them on stage yep it's starting to narrow there's only it's, five of them. It's really starting to narrow that this is the moment to grab everybody else's people and chuck them in your column yeah and i think you you really you really uh hit the nail on the head this is how people fell in love with ron DeSantis. he did not care what people thought about him he was going to do the right thing and even if the media was attacking him and even if the libs were attacking him every single day during COVID, he was going to be a good governor and keep businesses open and keep people in work and keep kids in school and keep families doing what it is that they were supposed to be doing. He didn't care it's about what we all fell in love with. And he and he has to counterpunch, right? Like the stage and not scripted, right? Not I mean, scripted, somebody comes up and he just he doesn't need to be scripted. He doesn't. The, he, he, he the doesn't. best, the best Ron DeSantis. The reason why people know Ron DeSantis are those press conferences yeah, with the right. where they ask the right. questions and he said, fuck you. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Yes. It's, it's, I cannot play your game. What, what I cannot understand about the Ron DeSantis campaign is why they would ever try to coach him or tell him what to do. No, because right. if, 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 if they said, just go out there and do whatever you want, he'd be like, look at my record. Who the hell are you to question me? Right. And all that we've ended up with is it to me it struck us like this so is the guy coach like, this is a guy just he's he a like, guy who won by seen Florida he won by twenty points <laughs> what are you talking about he, he he won by twenty points and then after he won by twenty points he passed the conservative wish list and then two days ago he was endorsed 
by the governor of Iowa. Yeah. It's like, you don't yeah. have to explain anything, pal. Don't explain don't shit. Don't explain shit. I Get on stage, and if somebody comes at you, they bring a fucking pebble, bring a boulder. This yeah. is a little bit controversial. How's your state going? But I'll, I'll just say, had he have taken whatever they were running in 2022 and just made it 2024 and not changed a single thing, He'd be that would be strong. I think mean, wow, we'd be, be looking strong. at real close, very different real set of close. polls. That's a freebie to all the Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's it right there. It wow, is, it is what it is. Uh, listen, I think we've got one more candidate that we need to do our due diligence on. We do, and it is uh, Senator Tim Scott. Well, he made it. He did. No, he made it. No, he made it. And last week, by the way, we should say we should say all of these candidates, and you guys know this. Came on the show. Mm-hmm. They did. Oh. They all listened to our questions, answered them, hopefully gave you some insight. So, like, we appreciate that. Yeah. And, and this sort of analysis, though, is dispassionate, right? It's it, like, yep. I, I, look, we appreciate the fact that Vivek, despite the fact who we called him uh, names here. No, I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't make that clear, I, I don't like him. But he came on the show. He's an, you know, he came on the show. I don't like him. So he still doesn't like him. Still don't like you him. See what I have to deal with with yeah. this? Don't care. Don't like him. I mean, it's like, oh, please come on the but show. But again, the guy's gonna call you names. But here's the thing: come on. I love the fact that every Republican candidate is more than welcome here on the show. He showed up. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So who's got Tim Scott? Well, last <laughs> <laughs> here comes Jim McKay. <laughs> last week at this time, there were only four podiums on the debate stage, but today there are five. <laughs> Tim Scott, in a last-minute ad, has reached the 70,000 donor threshold and the 4% requirement that Ronna McDaniel has so generously laid out. (laughs) And I think tonight we're going to actually see something interesting from Tim Scott. Let's play clip number one. America has suffered because of slavery, but we've overcome that. We are the greatest nation on earth because we faced our demons in the mirror and made a decision. So often we think that all the issues, you talked about crime and education and healthcare, we always think that those issues go back to slavery. Here's the challenge though. Black families survive slavery. We survive poll taxes and literacy tests. We survive discrimination being woven into the laws of our country. What was hard to survive was Johnson's great society. This is a man who has an incredibly inspirational message that he delivers on a daily basis. And believes and genuinely. He really does. And when he came on the show, he delivered it to us. He delivered it across the country. He's now spending a lot of time in Iowa. And I think that on the debate stage tonight, we can expect more of the same. I, 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 I want to differ. <laughs> so he yeah. has had multiple opportunities on that debate stage. And he has not yet gone. Like, can we hear? Who, who here is a Tim Scott person who, who's going to show up to the poll site and be like, Tim Scott's my guy? Nobody. No Not a lot. Of- like, you have to define yourself. What? How, how would you define Tim Scott? What is Tim Scott? Tim Scott is the eternal optimist. He's, I mean, like, that's the most, like, generic possible thing. Oh, he's optimistic. I mean, so I think Smug's right. Like, I love I love Tim Scott. I love Tim Scott's story. I think he does a really good job explaining Wonderful it. Wonderful like, I, I don't think Wonderful there's any person. Being. There is what, is, no, what is he? What's there is plan? no what person on that stage who talks about the optimism of America in the way that Tim Scott does. 
It has not resonated with voters. Uh -uh. He has not found a moment to break out in these debates. I don't know what's going to be different tonight if that's his tact. You know, honestly, what I would love to see is I would like to see dark Tim Scott. Well, he's be like, like he's angry. Biden has ruined shit. He's I like, will destroy him. I'm he's like, like, Ron, angry. go fuck yourself. Show me angry Tim Scott who goes out there and is trying to body everybody. He, he's, you not, know? He's, he's, not, he's not all sunshine and roses. I mean, he did attack Nikki Haley. We got one more clip. Let's play that one, Lee. First of all, I fought the gas tax in South Carolina multiple times against the just establishment. Go you, just go to YouTube. Against the establishment. You, just go to and YouTube you and see for yourself. Yep. Was when they wouldn't pass the gas tax, the establishment and the companies wanted me to do it so much that I said the only way I will Here's pass what it you have you to do. All, three all you have to do is go watch Nikki Haley on YouTube. Yes. If you will give me three times the deduction in income tax, then I will look at your gas so tax. So you said yes, you would pass. Exactly, Ross. Secondly, on the 50th. Million. But I feel so, like yeah, so they're, bro, I think yeah, they're getting in the weeds. I think in the weeds a little bit. They're getting in the weeds. Yeah, they're getting in the weeds a little bit. to the point where it was like, I don't know what the attack was. They're getting in the weeds a little bit, but uh, I think she he, could beat he, him up. He, he, what the he, hell was that? Yeah, I mean, she 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 brings it back. Wow. That's I the other I, I, thing. I, well, well, maybe that's Hold on. Hold on. I feel a little bit like Allen Iverson right now. Oh Jesus! And that's who they are. Right? If, I have no if, idea. What if you know, if you know the the like the meme, the clip of Alan. I, we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We're talking practice. Yeah. And Donald Trump is up in this primary by forty points. Yep. He's indicted ninety-one. And they're times. talking about gas tax. And we're talking about gas in tax. South Carolina. We're talking about gas tax. Yeah. This is yeah, small winning, ball winning or losing an argument on gas tax in South Carolina is not going to do anything. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, look, it's a it's a valid point, and I think that that actually large it leads to a larger point, which I think every one of you have made specifically with your candidates is that they're going to have to take the level up to nine here. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. right. I mean, this is not a situation where you can actually argue about gas taxes. No, you can't get in a dispute about like. We're not going to talk about the drapes and the UN building, and did you yep. send them back? In I mean, we're on the show that right. made King of the Hill famous. To beat the king, you have to take it. Take yeah. the crown. Yeah. And like, as you're not Flair, on this. As Ric Flair said, to be the man, you got to beat them. You got to beat them. Bingo. Woo. He, Woo. Knew. he knew. Yeah, he knew. He knew. All right. So we're going to go to a quick break, and then we will give you a wrap-up and our thoughts on everything else. Thank you guys for coming. This episode is fueled by the American Petroleum Institute. No matter your politics, no matter the debate, one thing is certain. America runs on affordable, reliable energy. America's policies must recognize that Americans benefit from making, moving, and improving the energy right here in America. Today, America's oil and natural gas industry supports nearly 11 million jobs and provides American energy to keep this nation strong. Learn how at API.org. I do not respect men who do not honor their word. Those words from the Senate floor weren't an attack across the aisle. It was Senate Republicans, Joni Ernst and Dan Sullivan, attacking fellow Republican Tommy Tuberville. Why? Abortion. And specifically, Senator Tuberville's heroic fight against a Biden administration order in the days following the Dobbs decision to ignore the law and turn the Department of Defense into one giant abortion machine. Tuberville told Biden if he did that, he would force the Senate to follow its own rules and vote to confirm military promotions. Chuck Schumer called his bluff, but Tuberville kept his word. Now, his own colleagues are turning on him, even those who profess 
to be pro-life. After failing to undercut Tuberville on the floor, they're talking about joining Democrats to change the rules of the Senate to get around him. I do not respect men who do not honor their word. I feel that way too. And like so many other pro-life Americans, I'm tired of Republican politicians who tell me they're gonna fight for my values on the campaign trail and then go to Washington and do just the opposite. Millions of Americans earn and use credit card rewards. A few big box retailers want to take those rewards away, rewards we use on groceries and school supplies, the cash back to save on gas and grow our small businesses, and travel miles we use to make memories. The so-called Credit Card Competition Act would eliminate credit card rewards. No more travel miles, no more cash back. When lawmakers help mega retailers line their pockets, we pay for it. Tell your lawmaker to vote no on the big box bill. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com to take action today. The Biden-Harris administration's plan to ban menthol cigarettes is on the verge of approval. But with a border crisis and violence overseas, this new prohibition poses a grave threat to our security. Millions of counterfeit cigarettes pour across the border every day. And authorities in Mexico warn the ban will add fuel to the fire. This reckless policy would enrich cartels and terror groups. We cannot afford to jeopardize our national security. Tell President Biden to stop the menthol ban. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. Thank you all. You have no idea how much it means to us to have you all as a part of our family. We really believe that. It really feels like that. I know you provide commentary and we react to it real time online, and it means a lot. Yeah. And the fact that we have been able to grow this community of ours over the last couple years is like a genuine uh, meaningful thing to all of us. It, can, it, I, can, I, can I read something oh, real quick? Okay, okay, go let for me, it. Go for it, go for it. Let me read something. Uh, uh, MJP, uh, his, his handle is thanks for all the fish, writes, Ruthless podcast went from a couple of guys tape recording in a phone booth to pre-gaming -re pre Republican debate mania yeah. in just three short years. Yeah. Cheers, fellas. Yeah. It's it's it is. I mean, it is so great and it is so great to be here in Florida. I love Florida. I would live in Florida if I could. Okay, there is yes. only one other you place. You are all the most lucky people on earth. I was, just, I was just telling the fellas, there's only one other place I would rather be tonight, and that is the Green Turtle Inn in Isla Morada, Florida. And I think <laughs> I, I, I think we need to do a show live oh from my the Green God. Turtle in Isla Morada. <laughs> can, I, can, can I say one quick thing? So. Yeah. Earlier, we were told, and we... Our crew began dismantling the state. It's all came Everything out. was canceled. Everyone was told to go home. And then in like two hours, it was rebuilt. Again, thank you, Mayor Francis Suarez. Thank you so yep. much, Police Chief Morales. Like, and our crowd came through, even though there's like 90 minutes of traffic. Yeah. yeah. Thank you yeah. all. So to our yeah. listeners, the Minions are truly the greatest people on earth. They'll crawl through all the adversity with us, and we are so grateful for all of you. Totally. And let, let me say this. I know that elections lately have been a little disappointing. And I know that some candidates have been a little disappointing. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that any of those five behind us can win president of the United States. Yep. I really do believe that. Um, there's a sixth. Maybe. 
I think it's really important that now more than ever, you get engaged and you stay engaged and you make sure that you're talking to your neighbors about this stuff because there's an awful lot of stuff. Look, I got, I got a, a text chain with my high school buddies dating back 20 years. And the shit that they say to me on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm like, holy cats, where did you get that? The information silos are all over the place. Mm -hmm. And if you're not listening to the Ruthless Friday program or you're not like, you know, some reputable organization that tells you like it is, you're going to get a different set of facts. Yep. And the reality is, is that you need to lock in. We're going to lock in. And believe me, I went through last night, I went through a very black pill phase. It was, it was an incredible these guys, <laughs> yeah. guys, These guys watched it in real time. Yeah. Because I had a full meltdown. I thought I was going to have to like, pull out a defibrillator. Uh, it was not good. No, yeah. I said keep drinking, Holmes. <laughs> it was not good. But I'm back. And I'm sitting here, and I'm talking to you, and you're talking to me, and all of us together are going to figure out how to make this right. And we're going to get this country back on track. That's right. To the place that we know it can be. So thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much. God That's bless. right. Thank you all so much. All right. So uh, obviously this is a huge set. We had a big show. Everything was awesome. But across the street, I've conveyed Skeeter. Very best take. Good debate. Huge debate. Smart. Who's the winner? So here's the thing is. While it was not her best night, I think Nikki Haley's the winner. Like, the polling is going in Nikki's direction. I don't think she lost any ground tonight. I think it was, a, a, again, a tough night for her back. It's a tough area when we have seen that foreign policy matters. Yeah. I, think, I think Nikki's the big winner. No question about it. That is her strong suit. I think she had her weakest debate, if it's to be honest. Okay. I think she had a lot of opportunities to put the body at and she chose to kind of defend her record, which is fine. I mean, I understand you want to clear the record, clear the air and make sure that your liabilities are gone, but I thought there was offensive opportunities in the left of the table. So honestly, my view is Ron DeSantis had the strongest debate that he's had of the three, and I thought he was the clear winner. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I agree, because here's the thing is, this debate to me showed this is a two-way race in terms of you're going to be either Trump or the not Trump candidate. So I think now it's winnowing the field. The not Trump candidate looks like it's going to be Nikki or it's going to be Ron. It's going to be one or the other. Who's the guy who's going to, or, or woman who's going to take on Trump? Yep, it's true. Consolidation is the name of the game. I think we saw tonight. Look, Tim Scott, love him. Everyone loves Tim Scott. He is an absolutely terrific human being, personal friend of ours. I think he's absolutely terrific. He's not going to win this nominee. Yeah, I think it's it's a wrap. And, and I think that I think that kind of came to the fore here today. I think honestly, Vivek, it might be a wrap too. You know, I think it's a wrap. I mean, to be honest with you, he's talented beyond. Very talented. Me. Extremely charismatic, charismatic guy. Yeah, but I think what he's talking about doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit a, a, a Republican electorate at this moment in time. I think it got much harder after October 7th for him, honestly. Yeah. That's where I was had some criticism with Nikki, to be honest with you, is that I thought she could be a little bit heavier on that, and she wasn't. But I... I yeah. So Christy is the other one that... Look, I think Chris is as pure and authentic as you can be. Like, it, what you see is what you get. And 
he was working his way through that. What he missed was the one Marco moment. That's the thing. That's the thing is, I think he has a huge reputation. Everyone was scared before any of these debates. If Chris Christie shows You're up, gonna get body he could kill me. Yeah. And we have not seen that. We didn't see that in the previous debates. In our pregame show, I said, like, he's got to do it. You have to maintain the reputation. I could kill anybody anytime. Yet again, I, I think it's gone. And in fairness, like, I think if you're coming in and this is Chris Christie, you're expecting a lot of people to all of a sudden, for the first time, have a criticism of Donald Trump. They that was did not. There was no that surprise because I, I predicted, and it was a wrong prediction, that given the previous night's elections, some of these candidates would try to capitalize and say, hey, Donald Trump's the guy to blame. This is why you should vote for me. We didn't see that. Not a lot of it. We didn't see it. Not a lot of it. He was basically the only one that was drawing any contrast. I think he had opportunities when presented, but they weren't presented. No. And if anybody was going to take a shot at Donald Trump, he'd be like, We're, welcome You're to the party. But it didn't happen tonight. And I'm actually surprised by that. Look, the guy's winning by 30 points. Huge. This is He's got 25-point lead in Iowa. 30-point lead in New Hampshire, a 25-point lead in, in South Carolina. How do you not draw contrast with the guy that's the not thing. in the room? And, right? and, and I, I think I don't it continues to be disappointing the fact that these candidates are it's like accepting the race. Yeah, totally. They accept being like, okay, this is like the dog and pony show. Yeah. This isn't the main event. And if you're not trying to be king of the hill, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? To be the man? You got to beat the man. You got to beat the man. That's right. Thanks, Twitter.